today we are going to have a great conversation with Christine Nolan from Trinity Village. Love Christine. Tons of good energy. Worked with her a lot. Um, it's it's a great program that she has. I'm curious. I, I know I've heard uh, the buzz about some expansion, so it's going to be pretty cool to see you know where they are with that. Yeah. I love their program that they allow parents um, to be in their, um, their sober living with their kids. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great program. It's going to be good. Yeah. It's going to be good. I know they just moved from in Portsmouth. I believe they're now in Middletown. So, you know, she tried to explain to me where they were. And for the life of me, I couldn't, couldn't picture it. So we'll ask her. Hopefully today we'll get a little more explanation as exactly where it is. But it's going to be a great one. I'm going to be very excited to hear, you know, all the other programs, all the services that they do uh, provide for the recovery world. So without further ado. So today with us on Totally Preventable, we have the founder and CEO of Trinity Village, Christine Nolan. How are you, Christine? Good, Greg. Good. Hi, Pauline. How are you? Thank you for having me on your show this morning. It's great to have you. Our pleasure. On Totally Preventable. It's wonderful to be here. (laughs) It is great to have you. It's great to have you. Um, you know, I I really like to jump right into it. Can you can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, so I have been in um living in Newport County now for about 17 years. I have four beautiful children that have been raised here and and been um had been blessed with um their education through our public school system as well as um been able to work, do some um uh community work with um, our, our partners here in, in the recovery um, uh, uh, community with, with behavioral health. I started in, um, and this is a piece I'll probably, I started many years ago looking at, um, you know, what can I do to get involved in a community? And when I came here and moved to here with my husband at the time, he was um, in, involved, he was an officer in the Navy. Um, we really were blessed with um, retiring here. So when we got settled in, a lot of things that I did is I got involved in, um, in the schools, I got involved in my church, and I really sprung out to get to know um, a lot of our, our, um, our, our neighbors, our, our, the beautiful networks that are here to support and really be an active, play, an active player in the community to help develop some of the things that um, people need as far as services are concerned. Um, I always like to talk a little bit about my personal journey and my personal story as a person in recovery. So I'll go right into that. Um, Once we got settled here, you know, again, I had four beautiful children. It was, uh, they were very young. And, um, you know, I had started at a very young age enjoying some recreational drinking and, um, and embraced my college years where, you know, to what I want to say today, it was, it looked like a little bit of the norm of how people drank and, and use drugs. that's a, a part of, of my journey as far as my personal struggles that I'll talk a little bit about. And so, and so I apologize for the, the music okay. in the back. Anyways, um, so, so really what happened at that point was that um, I came here with my children and um, very, getting very involved in the community. And I um, realized that um, after having my fourth child, that things, uh, certain stresses in my life started to affect me a little bit more. Um, they were, I struggled with, you know, keeping the day-to-day routines of, of, um, you know, uh, the commitments around the children, um, really looking at, you know, trying to take care of myself, that self-care. And, um, 
and, and, and really focusing on the family unit, you know, my, my family doing what was important. And as things, as the kids got older, <clears throat> I had some troubles within my marriage. And um, so different stressors came into my life that I really found um, a little bit overwhelming and it drew a lot of anxiety. And, and, and I started to feel extremely depressed, especially after my fourth child. So, you know, as the days are busy with young ones and as they're getting older, um, you know, and, and for your listeners, and I know there are many women out there and, and gentlemen out there, parents out there that have struggled with, you know, at the end of the day, you like your glass of wine or a beer or something of that nature that kind of, you know, gives you what you think feels, makes you feel more relaxed. Then you're out with your friends and you're socializing. So my drinking started to get a little bit more progressive where I was looking to go out a little bit more just to relax and enjoy myself um, through a drink, you know, and, um, as well as, you know, at night, if the kids were all settled in, I would sit down and I would also enjoy what I thought was, you know, my cocktail at night to just kind of relax. Well, it wasn't too long and it's pretty, there is a study on this about women is that progression of that, um, use of alcohol and medications at the time got pretty progressive up in about 18 months to two years where I went from, um, you know, drinking a few glasses of wine and, and having some depression, anti, antidepressant medications and anti-anxiety medications, mixing that with alcohol did not serve any myself well. Um, it actually had a reverse effect on it where my anxiety increased and um, I felt more severely depressed. Um, and it was a struggle within myself that I didn't realize um, was very detrimental to my well-being, meaning that um, I started to lose weight. I couldn't sleep. Um, you know, I had um, difficulties with eating and um, as far as wanting to eat, not wanting desire to eat. So there was a lot of ripple effects around the increase of my intake with alcohol and drinking to the, how I was physically feeling and then emotionally, you know, I was starting to really um, feel the effects of that. So, um, but again, not focusing on the fact that I thought it was, oh, I'm drinking too much or I'm, I'm drinking too frequently and, and all of that and the hangout, the, and I use the word hangovers, but you know, the, 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 the symptoms of withdrawals after you have a, a long night of drinking, which a lot of people know, um, whether it's tremors, whether it's cravings and all of that. So the progression and the symptoms of alcoholism, the disease of alcoholism got pretty progressive with me. And I did have those tremors and I did have those increased cravings and I really had some you know, I was looking for that next glass, you know, where that next glass of wine comes. It's, it's, it's almost, I mean, if you talk to people in recovery, we all go through very similar uh, experiences with the struggles of this um, that we identify with. And so the progression was there and there really, you know, my tolerance had changed. So the, the, my intake would change and, um, and, uh, you know, the effects of my behavior would change around that. You know, I would experience a level of intoxication a lot quicker than I would, or, you know, I wasn't, I was acting out unsafely for myself and my family, you know, and these were all things that were right here in my face, but I, you know, the being actively in the disease and not and embracing any path of recovery kept me in the cycle of, of doing the same thing over and over again. And I'd get up in the morning saying, what am I going to do differently? I mean, I'd be up at five in the morning going for a run thinking that's going to stop, you know, mm -hmm. help me with the withdrawals and I'm going to feel better. And I don't, I'm not an alcoholic, but I knew in the back of my head, I had a problem. I knew I couldn't just stop. Although there was family members that thought, well, why can't you just put it down and stop drinking? It was like, this had taken over. I said, as much as I want to say, I get up every morning, I'm not going to have that glass of wine today. I'm not going to have that pill today. I'm not going to do what I did yesterday that caused me a lot of guilt and disgust, you know? I mean, because it, it puts you in that place when you realize that after you have 
ingested this chemical, you're acting out in ways that are not of you, right? You're 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 saying things that are not of you. You're fighting with your spouses, or you're you're you know you're. It's just um, it, it's like that Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. You know, you get too much, and and anybody, and your behaviors and your attitudes change, and you really start hurting yourself and the ones you love. And so, so I came into it where I had a situation where it got so progressive um, that I, you know, I was struggling with, with, with the tremors and I really, um, I just had, had, I was done. I, I couldn't live with it and I couldn't live without it. And I didn't know how to even embrace it. And, and, and to the family that loved me the most, they didn't know how to help me. Mm. And I had four little ones that I really needed to make sure that they were safe and taken care of. And so I needed to embrace and help. So I put myself in treatment over time and I came back into my community and the first thing that they did, the recovery community was embrace me saying, come on, let me help you show you the way. There was um, there was a lot of paths there that I could really fit into what I thought was gonna help support me where I was at with my co-occurring. I had still struggling with, men with mental health disorders like depression and anxiety, highly, and some PTSD. Um, you know, I had um, um, some physical things that had affected me which happens with alcoholism and drug use, any form of addiction, you know, I had some physical things I had to, um, health-wise I had to address. So I was all in, I'm like, whatever you think is going to work, that's evidence-based, I'm, I'm willing to do that. And that's what I embraced. And I didn't look back. I continued to put, put um, like-minded people around me that were in recovery. I started embracing other opportunities to continue what I call continuum care, continue my treatment. I had embraced a 30-day inpatient residential. I wanted to continue that back in my daily life for a period of time that I thought that under the guidance of professionals, I'd be able to continue to get therapy, group sessions, and my medications monitored. And um, so all of this was a personal experience. And um, and in that story, while I was doing that, um, embracing my recovery, I realized that I had to also look at my environment, that that stress I was talking about really had a great impact on you know, um, early stages of recovery. What was I doing to build a foundation that was going to help me start living healthy? Because I had to start making some healthy choices. And one of the things, and, and any mom out there, a father that has children that, you know, you're very nurturing, you're a caretaker, and um, your children depend on you, is you really have to make some healthy choices for yourself, your own self-care, so that you can be all you can to your children and to your relationships, your partner, and all of that. So, for me, what was beneficial where my stresses were really escalated at home. And again, some of the things that were changing in my in my marriage, things that were, you know, taking care of my children, I went into a sober house and I really embraced putting an environment around me that was conducive for me to strengthen my recovery. And that was very personal. That was a personal choice I made, but very well served because everything around me was conducive to my recovery. It continued to lay the, the, the foundation that I need for long-term care fuller long-term recovery, but more so for um, totally to prevent relapse, right? I needed to embrace a path where I had tools, I had um, some education, but I had some, some tools that would help me deal with the symptoms of um, the disease of addiction, because I, I misused medications as well, um, and um, be able to give me a quality of life. I needed to be able to live life on life's terms. And how do I do that? I need the right coping skills. To me, I was open to anything. So I embraced some holistic alternatives, which were, I'll talk a little bit in our model. And um, I really educated myself on prevention. Um, I shared that with other people. I started working with others in the community that were struggling as well. And I got involved in service work, which was a real big part of my 
the whole embrace of long-term um, uh, prevention as well as um, sustaining my own recovery. So with that in my own story, and, and, and please stop me if you have any questions about it, is that I looked at what worked for me and I said, how do I give this back? How do I show and, and, and really build a model within our, my beautiful community here, which is just amazing. Our partners that, our collaborative partners we work with, the the community members themselves, um, you know, our, um, our, our senators and all that. How do I invest where I can bring my story because it's powerful to others and give them the resources they need to maybe embrace a path that works for them with these resources in the community, working with my community partners and integrate a, a program that is is all paths um, for any any family member, both family and the member that's struggling that can come into a place and say, what's the next step? How do I get help? And the model is, is we focus on three pillars and it's all part of what I just shared. We look on access to treatment, okay, for that to embrace prevention, um, to sustain what you, the path that they're on, introduce a new path. We have intense outpatient program. We have a behavioral health clinic that deals with substance um, use disorders as a primary and anybody else that's struggling with some mental health conditions like depression, anxiety, PTSD, um, we do a lot of work with that. We have, um, I'll talk a little bit about healthy living at the end of this. We opened some beautiful recovery residences here on the island for women, women and children and for med. And we even had a co-ed model working for a period of time that was excellent. Um, and then we, we work with labor and employment. We have 14 now after COVID, 14 community partners that help bridge any member that comes into um, to either one of those entities that they can embrace some opportunities about how we help them get financial security. We work with our community banks to do education, financial education. We do work with some uh, um, community retail stores and, and other venues here in the community that are willing to, to create opportunities for um, people that come through Trinity for employment security, financial security. So that was the kind of the things that happened um, in my personal story. And I, I didn't get too much into the financial piece of it for me um, because it, you know, anybody that experiences addiction or, or struggles with alcoholism knows that it has a great impact on your finances, um, you know, and, and the, whether it's the cost of treatment, whether it's the cost of using and drinking when you're actively in your addictions, you know, everybody comes from a place that um, might might need that assistance. So we, we do offer a lot of financial support um, and venue and bridges to that gap. Um, so that's really how that three pill model come in was access to treatment at our B Trinity Healthy Living, our behavioral health clinic. Um, we have Trinity Inns, which is our sober living quarters, and they have beautiful programs in those living quarters that offer staff recovery coaching. Um, we do life skills in-house. We bridge them into our recovery community, which is beautifully saturated here in Newport County. We have um, all different meetings, types of meetings that people, we work closely with our beautiful Hope Center, Recovery Hope Center, um, their beautiful team over there. So we have this nice collaboration where um, people that reside with us can really continue to build a sober network and access um, their community meetings. Um, so we also have, I'd like to talk a little bit about, and if, if you want to ask any questions along the way, but is what I'm, 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 I'm really excited to, to share with our, with your audience um, for pre totally prevention and, um, and really how to embrace just a, a place where you come in and you go, oh, I'm in the right place. There's the, um, our niche here that we, that, that really helps people focus on what well, we're all recovering from something. Hands down, we're recovering from something. 
Um, and so our approach to behavioral health is to look at the, the whole person, right? It's a person-centered programs that we offer here, treatment, um, they're all evidence-based, but we really, every person, one person, one family at a time that walks into Trinity Healthy Living here and our behavioral health, which is located at, at um, in Middletown at 58 East Main Road, right across from the, well, so the, the Christmas tree shop. Um, <laughs> everybody knows the Christmas tree shop, right? Right across from that beautiful park building. Um, I welcome the, your audience to come in at any time and just explore our, if they're struggling or they have family that's, that needs support to come in and learn about our, um, our team, our, our professional team here and the resources we have. Um, we do a lot. We have an intense outpatient program that allows, it's a four-day program that offers uh, folks that are coming from an inpatient level of care or are looking just from where they're at in their recovery or struggling in their disease that want to embrace some kind of form of outpatient services. We have an intense program that is on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 9 to 12, and then on Tuesday from 10 to 1. Um, the program itself offers a lot of, um, you know, didacts as far as um, relapse prevention education. We do a lot of the the, um, uh, the work on stress reduction. We we look at um, different ways of life skills, coping life skills. We bring in the the universal twelve step community, smart community, smart recovery, twelve step recovery. Um, we do a lot of work with trauma. Um, we also um, do a lot of anger management that might be involved. You know, people struggle with anger management. We do. We work with the the, the family courts, the um, the drug courts here. So anybody that's got some um, uh, um, issues related to those courts, we collaborate with them. We're able to support their needs to help them further along in their recovery, but also their court uh, requirements. Um, we work with a lot of doctors in the community, Newport Hospital and um, a lot of attorneys, you know, that are helping people that are uh, dealing with some legal issues. But the other thing too, that I'd like to talk about is we also have a different niche of holistic approaches to recovery. So not only are you gonna get the clinical didacts of, 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 of um, what is needed for you, uh, for the individual or the families for um, their treatment, but also bring in some really healthy alternatives as far as mindfulness practices, we do Reiki, we have acupuncture, all stress reductions, all leading back into present moment, present day living, how to deal with the symptoms of, 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 um, of stress, how to deal with it. Some people, if they're still dealing with post-acute withdrawals, how do you deal with those symptoms in a holistic type of way? Mindfulness is in meditations. We do a lot of exercise in there. People have never been introduced to mindfulness practices. They come in, they go, oh my God, this works, you know? And so all these things are integrated into this program that, um, you know, people have really come in and go, I've never experienced anything like this. Christine, can, can I ask you, not to, not to cut you off, I just wanted to, now you're, you talk about community partners and now you're talking like the um, stress reduction. After a person goes through um, like your life skills training, the stress reduction, the holistic approach, um, how, how does a person go from that to creating a, um, an environment around them to help them keep their their sobriety i mean do, you, do they stay in touch with you do you stay in touch with them or can they continuously come in or do we connect them with the the community partners that you have involved how does that building the, the healthy environment come into play yeah that's a really great question greg and um and i'm glad you asked that because that's 
the bigger part is once you leave your treatment, right? What happens then? And, and that I was faced personally myself. And that's what I was talking about, making some decisions, personal decisions on how I'm going to continue this self-care. How am I going to continue to live one day at a time, right? In recovery, um, dealing with life. You know, the, I'm going back home into my environment where I'm, I'm still dealing with the same stresses. And, and what we focus on here, and it doesn't end after you might've finished one of the programs, um, is connection. That is vitally important, the feeling, experiencing that sense of belonging and connection. So our, our folks here, and our, I call them our team here, is um, we, and our members that come in here for help, you get, we have resources for recovery coaching that continue to work with you when you, when, um, when you finish a program here with us. We have individual and group, um, um, group therapies, individual therapies. We have what we call early recovery groups. So you can, can stay connected to Trinity and come in and participate in the groups. Um, our recovery coaches will go out in the community and work with you. Um, we also make sure that we, it's like case management. We make sure that when you leave here, that you have a plan and we're going to follow through with you so that you have um, what you do on a daily routine. It's something we offer in our sober homes, but also any member that comes in here for treatment, it's all about your daily routine. And it's all about staying connected. And how do we help? And so while you're here, you're already starting that peer process, you know, and that peer connection. You're building a network here at Trinity, and then we're helping you bridge it out into the community. And we actually bring in commitments from the community. So it's already started. So as you leave here, you're feeling these connections where you can meet people outside of, of um, Trinity Healthy Living, the clinic, and, and start to build these relationships, right? And and learn how to um, uh, invest that change, that change model you're looking for. Now, you're going to have good days and you're going to have not so good days. We have people that come back and reboot all the time. You know, mm -hmm. Christine, I left and, I, you know, that program for 12 weeks, four weeks, whatever it was on my counseling, was, I need to come back and reboot. We get that quite a bit. Even in our sober living environments, it's like I need to come back for another 60 days or 30 days or 90 days. Just need to because I need to do what I know was working well for me. And that's the support Trinity gives. We continue to stay working with our members. They don't just come in for a period, short period of time or a long or a set period of time. Mm -hmm. They're with us. They're like family. And we're going to stay with them. And they know that um, unless they've chose to. to and, and that's why we work very closely, like with Newport Mental Health and, and Newport Health, because they're nobody. You know, it's it's. If somebody comes to us and, and we see that they need more support psychiatrically or they're looking for more mental health support, we're going to call up our partners over there and say, hey, look, we're working with them on this. We need them to, to bridge them over here and have them focus on this need for level of care. We work very closely together. And same thing with the Hope Centers in recovery. You know, how do I expand my network? How do I expand my, you know, the, the group opportunities that work for me? But we do have, Greg, um, a relationship that is established here. And that's what I think you hear when people walk in here and say, I've never experienced anything like this. I feel like I'm right where I belong. Mm. And, and I'm here to continue this relationship with Trinity. And, you know, and and it's almost like it's it's the unknown. Like everybody knows that's important to have that sense of connection and that sense of belonging. Because getting well is so person-centered. It takes we have to meet people where they're at today. You can't bring them to this cookie cut. Oh, this is what's going to work. Or you should be here instead of here. And there's a mindset out there that kind of believes that. And there's a mindset out there that, that says, oh, you relapsed and it's all gone again. No, no. It's, you know, let's build on what's been working well, meet you where you're at and help you move forward. That's what we do here at Trinity is 
Let's, and uh, we've had people in here that have struggled, had setbacks, and they come back because they know that what they're getting here, um, as far as the, the support and the love, because that's really what we're talking about, right, mm -hmm. is, um, is that love and connection that they can come back to Trinity. And we want to keep it that personal, you know, and for the families. We have families come in here all the time saying, you know, we're grateful that you're helping our family member, but we need help too, you know, and how does this look? Because everybody's affected by this disease. This is nothing new in the community, right? And there's new struggles out there. There's new drugs out there and they're, they're struggling with maybe a loss of, an, uh, of a loved one from an overdose. So, you know, and then Greg, you and I have talked about grandparents raising grandchildren today. You right. know? That might be another part, another time. Yeah. <laughs> about that right. but yes we work with a lot of grandparents parents right now helping them uh, with it with you know individually and then with their family member their, their grandchildren and stuff now do um, you do yeah. family counseling as well mm -hmm. yes and when i'd like to talk real quickly we also do medicated assistant treatment and that's a path that helps a lot of people where they're struggling with um cravings or need some kind of um you know balance with um buprenorphine we do suboxone we do vivitrol we offer um uh, we have a medical doctor and nurse practitioner that offers um you know medica medication management or medicaid assistant treatment we do anti-abuse naltrexone so they can come in and again it's that whole person we got to meet people where they're at what is going to help you through the next you know first 30 days of your treatment and when at 30 days you're looking what's going to help you but the, the reinforcement every day of that connection with Trinity and what the work that they're doing on themselves is something that we, we're very much involved in. Um, and we bring family in when, it's, when they feel it's necessary and ready. Um, we also offer, um, again, we do um, the acupuncture and Reiki, which is, people have really been introduced to and love. And we have a biomap therapy, which is um, stress reduction as well. So they can get medication management, they can get Medicaid assistant treatment, they can get the intense outpatient program, individual and group counseling and family counseling. Mm. Do you also have a device called the bridge? Is it the bridge? Yeah. Yeah. So if you like, um, so there were, uh, if, if people are struggling with opioid withdrawals, what I say first is that if you need, if, if, if you're, if you're struggling and you need, you should be medically assessed and make sure you receive the right appropriate detoxification. Um, if you need a medical detox, then obviously you need a hospital's, you know, some form of, of inpatient level of care. But if you're post or you're struggling with um, um, opioid withdrawals that you think on an outpatient level can be assessed and evaluated, we have what we call a, a percutaneous nerve stimulator. It's called the bridge device. Um, it's had its clinical studies and, and is FDA approved, where if people are struggling with, again, post, post withdrawals from opioids, they can come in um, on a scale. We have a, a nurse practitioner that will do an interview and see if they're if that motivation is there, if they're a good candidate for the bridge device. So they go through a little bit of an, an assessment, not a little bit, they go through a full assessment, evaluation, and an interview with our nurse practitioner. So if they're still symptomatic, um, even if they're coming off Suboxone or, or um, uh, some other form of Medicaid assistant and they're symptomatic, or here's what the key is, the fear of of withdrawals, mm -hmm. this device has worked very well for helping people come to um, a, a zero withdra withdrawals um, um, within their own personal mm -hmm. um, situation. So let's just say you come in with that little restless knee syndrome going on, uh, sweats, you know, um, a nurse practitioner will make sure that you're a good candidate for you. They will put in, it's a, again, it's a nerve, um, a nerve, a percutaneous nerve stimulator. So it sends nerve impulses to three parts of the brain, which basically calms the brain down, 
and allows the, in, the individual while they're wearing this nerve stimulator to reduce those, those symptoms, okay? You can wear the, um, if they feel after, oh my gosh, within 45 minutes, they could be symptom-free or they could be a little bit nervous at what if the symptoms come back tomorrow? So you can wear this bridge device up to five days under the supervision of our nurse practitioner. And it's, um, and we've had um, patients that have come off Suboxone that it's worked really well for. And then on top of that, we bridge them into maybe some other form of, of like a Vivitrol shot or some kind of um, naltrexone or something that might help them further along their recovery if, if needed. Um, but it's all under the supervision of our nurse practitioners that will monitor the medications while they, again, it's a natural um, nerve stimulation. It's not really invasive where um, it interferes with their, um, you know, any of the current existing treatment or medications that they're on. So it's a, it's a safe device. Wow. That is great. It's, it's new. It's new. I, very I, interesting. I haven't yeah. heard that at all. I heard Christine talk about it probably um, maybe three years ago. It was an in-person meeting, so that's how I'm trying to date it. But um, here in our conference room, probably for some prevention meeting, I heard. I think you were introducing it as a new, uh, a new option. Yeah, yeah. We have um, the 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 company that produces the product is still trying to work with insurance companies and mm. get it approved. We've um, actually introduced it as well to Medicaid and Blue Cross Blue Shield locally here and within our state. And um, you know they they have their own means in which they look systematically at what um, what considerations would be into covering the cost of the device and the services. Um, but we we try to work with the, each individual that comes in as best we can to make sure that we can provide them what their needs are. So I know that insurance questioning comes up quite a bit, so. It does. So does this, does this nurse practitioner and the monitoring, does this go on at all facilities or just the Middletown facility or? Yeah, it, it's primary do, primarily done at the Middletown facility. Mm -hmm. okay. so we have a room set up here and the nurse practitioner who's trained in it. And yeah, so it would be offered here only in the Middletown right now. Um, and that's yeah. good for observation. Yeah. Your other facility is Trinity Inn, right? Is that yeah. correct? We also have, yep. I'll also let you know, we do have a Trinity Healthy Living, a, a behavioral health clinic in Johnston as well. Oh, we oh. opened one up about eight months ago that offers the same, the services. So you can also, um, if you call through our 800 number or if you go to the website or if you call directly into either one of those locations, it's on our website, the campuses that we offer both at Johnston and here in Middletown. And yes, our sober living, um, we have um, a wonderful, we're, we're very excited about um, some new opportunities that, that we're working towards. Um, uh, looking to expand our sober living quarters and our, um, our Trinity Inn here in, on um, Aquidneck Island. Um, it's, um, it, there's a possibility where we could um, look at expanding some units of, of residents, 12 units of, of residential sober living recovery residents here on the island, along with um, uh, in the same um, facility offer outpatient services. It's something we're working with our community partners, um, a town in Middletown and our, um, our uh, CDBG group to see if we can fund building a, a 12 unit recovery, um, recovery residence and outpatient services. He had to expand the services because of the need and, and providing access. Um, it's no, no um, secret that recovery residences are 
Um, they have a, it's evidence-based that people do thrive and do really well in a sober environment while they're get while they're embracing some kind of treatment or just getting back into their um, daily routine and sobriety. So um, we're looking at expanding our model. It's we've we we put a program in there with staffing and that has really served well our members that have resided. We had a women and children's house in Portsmouth. And again, a men's house in Newport County that we're transitioning right now. We're looking to open up um, another uh, interim house until this new model that we're, we're very excited about in Middletown that'll be opening up that 12 unit, hopefully with our outpatients. So yes, if anyone is interested in our sober living quarters that we collaborate with Community Blessings and um, and uh, Ocean State Recovery Housing, we're part of them as well. And, and the Behavioral Health Department, their 942 stop grant. So please feel free to give us a call in and we'll see what we can do to support your needs around sober living. Is it is it hard to get into sober living? We often hear there's um, a long way um, throughout the state everywhere. Um, okay. So do you have a long wait? Thanks for asking that, Pauline. And that, if anybody's listening out there from uh, our community that makes a difference um, as far as we need to continue to expand sober living quarters. We need recovery residences. We need them funded. And that's what we're hopeful to do in Middletown with this beautiful location and this project that we're working on. Um, right now, there, you know, most for the most part, um, you know, working with my, within the recovery community, recovery residence community, everybody is struggling with and expanding, you know? So yes, there are wait lists. Um, we have a short wait list right now for September, but I always tell people to keep calling in and um, I have, uh, you know, I follow up with them, A, to see how they're doing in their recovery, mm -hmm. you know, um, because we're not just, again, oh, ahead, you know, we got a roof over your head, that's sober living. No, we care about the individual. So we'll stay in touch with our members on the wait list if, and, and they're welcome to call in. Um, and as soon as we have, you know, it's very, um, it's like a rolling admission. So there's no set time. For the most part in the program we offer, we have people that stay there from an average of three to six months. People can stay with us up to two years, mm. you know, if that's what it takes. So we, we want to make sure and we bridge in the families that we have an integrated model that even while they're staying with us, we integrate them returning back home. So it's not just a you're done with sober living and you go right back mm -hmm. into home. We have a transition period, which is our integrated model where they'll stay at the sober house and we help them with their families integrate back home in their, their recovery. So I love it so much. It's, it worked so well. And it was my personal experience that helped me. So we, we continue to help people. Um, and that's why there's a need for you know, more expanding the recovery residences, opening up this model where people um, have services available to them while they're residing there. And um, that, um, you know, they have the ability to stay as long as they need, you know, and um, there's a wonderful grants out there that we're working with to get the funding for this through Community Blessings. So um, hopefully that will all come to fruition within a year, you know, or two, so. One, right one thing that I've really admired about, you know, the, this interview, this podcast is you can, you can actually hear and see the love that you have for this project. You, you, you can see it. Is that, because of your your personal story is it because you you can really identify with pretty much anyone who's walking through that door because you've been through your your own struggle is that what it, where it derives from absolutely greg and um and i'm passionate about it and it's um an inspiration that came about four years ago that um that when you find that you have something that you've personally experienced that, and this is what peer recovery is all about, 
that you can help put a hand to help out to somebody else. And there is a, an unbelievable almost moment of trust that you've lived this experience. You know what I can't describe, you you can identify with and and help me help myself in the sense of feeling that I'm not alone anymore and I'm gonna be okay. And that's one of the biggest things that has to come deeply within their hearts and connect it with their minds. And, and that's that came through my personal experience, but there is um, a, a love and a sense of connection and service that has to come with anybody struggling that they know that they are not alone and that they're gonna be okay. So that that hopelessness and that despair and that desperation, you're almost the light in that dark room for a moment. And you wanna bring that forward. You wanna help them give that hope, bring that light forward to them knowing, you know what? I'm gonna love you until you can love yourself again. I know how hard this is. Same thing with the families, you know, the love is there. It's just the nurturing of it and being able to be there and provide the support for them um, and showing them that it works. You know, it's it's a power of example as well. Not only are you dealing with building, helping them feel connected and, and a sense of belonging that they're okay, they're cared for, but that they see the results of this, that this, I too can get well, you know, and I'm not alone in this. And, and I'm my, you see on my model, I'm about the mind, body, and spirit, the soul. So this is a, we look at this whole person, the well-being of someone. So as soon as they embrace Trinity, they're embracing that whole beautiful circle, if you will, of love of the, you know, that we understand what you're struggling with emotionally and mentally. We understand spiritually how the depth of that, how you're broken, the brokenness of that. And, you know, we also know physically what you're going through. So we're going to wrap our arms around them passionately and, and, um, um, and just let them, you know, uh, uh, you just say yes to, you know, this too can be recovery is possible for me as well. I um, can imagine um, parents with kids that of uh, the peer recovery model and having people with lived experience and um, people all around you must be, so helpful um having your child with you or um and knowing that you're still in taking care of them but also having tools to deal with the stresses of being a parent and also your addiction um that i can see that as an amazing tool um do with trinity in when you have young children in there do you offer services um, for the moms that deal with the kids as well. Oh, that's beautiful. Absolutely. Um, we, we work again with Project Bright. We've worked with um, Starbirth. We've had children, infants from the ages up to eight. We've worked with Starbirth Women and Infants Hospitals and DCYF. And absolutely, um, you know, it, the focus is, is helping the mom or the parent get well, but also the supports that are needed for behavior for the children. I'm going to tell you a real quick story because we stay, we have alumni and we keep in touch with our, very close touch with our families and our, our members is, um, you know, I, this was a beautiful person that came from Starbirth and um, she had struggled a lot of PTSD and trauma and, and so, so much for the, the child as well. And when I got the beautiful call, they said, Christine, we think this is a good fit. You know, you could put some services around the children and, and really having the mom continue the beautiful work that Starbirth does. Um, to, just to have that continuum to bridge them straight into a sober living environment with services in there and a women and children's home that can help continue the nurturing, right, of the, of the mom's recovery, but also for the child, child to feel nurtured, safe, secure, love. And we bring them into our homes and 
as we put the support services around them, it's amazing. It's mystical to see how the mother gets well. They're nurturing their child, you know, in a healthier place, right? <clears throat> the changes that happen in, 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 in the children. Now we have playrooms and all of that. And you can see the, how the children interact with one another. So you actually get to see the moms get well, but you see these children start to interact well more as a family, feeling that sense of family and connection and community at a very young age. So you're seeing intergenerational change. And that's what I'm passionate about. I want to break the site. We want to help break the cycle of addiction for intergenerational change. And that's whether it's in residing with Trinity or, or in your own home, we'll come to your home. We'll do those service works that's needed, but it's all about breaking that cycle. And I'll, I'll end it with this because I, I from a personal experience, my daughter was six years old, maybe a little less. And then, and, she, and I, I know she wouldn't mind me sharing this, but her junior year in high school, she had to write a, a self-reflection paper, and I'll give you the, uh, the short version of it. And really what she wrote about was, and it was in prep for her college, you know, how she was going to prepare for her college essay, was what it was like growing up with a mother who was an alcoholic and addict, okay, who struggled with mental health. And it was a four-page document that I never knew she wrote. And the year she went to college, um, she left in a little Manova envelope uh, folder on her desk, now there was no label on it, but I'm cleaning her room and she's gone on her way. And I went over there and I, I opened it up and I you know, felt it might've been left for me, right? So I started reading. The first two pages were hard. It's hard what we put our kids through and what we, you know, that self, you know, like the impact of that trauma on those kids. You don't see it when you're in it, but you, you realize it as you get well, the needs that they have with the trauma that's been induced under their addiction and alcoholism, right? Mm -hmm. And so I saw those first two parts of, you know, the fear, um, how she had to have the over sense of responsibility taking care of her siblings, you know, that she, her, her, her grandmother was there, wasn't there, you know, <clears throat> father was there, the changes of where she stayed, who she stayed with, how she went to school, what she went, was able to attend, what she couldn't miss, how she took care about making lunches, a, a lot of things that eye opening to me, but I was like, oh my God, she went through that. The second two pages of her her report was about what she learned about herself. Mm. Powerful. She learned about resiliency. She learned about how she turned inward for inner strength because she saw her mother fall down and pick herself up and start living the right way. And those little examples that I never saw, but me, but my, my own personal recovery and getting well and start living healthy and living the right way had that ripple effect on her at a very young age. And the years of that, because now she's going to college. So that intergenerational change had started because not only could she self-reflect on, you know, start making healthy choices, start, you know, um, making healthy decisions for herself, but she found and recognized in herself her own inner strengths, her positive attributes, what she learned and what she was able to get through, the resiliency in her and, and how it helped support her thriving in her own personal life. And I, I know, and so that's the message I want to say to your audience is that you know, we just like, unfortunately, destructively, our disease has a ripple effect on our family and our children, but so can't our recovery. Our recovery can have that beautiful reflection on living the right way, healthy, taking self-care, building a community, you know, a beautiful network and sense of community, a sense of belonging and family. You can restore families, families come back. Children are now learning next generation that she has grown up with a mother that's in recovery a person of recovery from alcoholism, addiction, and mental health. And she too can bridge that into her own family. And when she continues to, and her own circle of friends, I mean, there's things that, 
you know, my, my son that's going to um, college chose a sober environment, sober living dormitory, you mm. know, and I did not know that that was a choice for him. Now, I'm not saying look at my kids. I'm saying that indirectly and even quietly and, and mystically, you never know how your recovery can affect not just your family, but even out one person that's struggling in the community. And that's why peer peer and life experience and really has um, a ripple effect. So I, I I hope your audience enjoyed some of my little personal stories there. And my I know my children wouldn't mind sharing that. But um, you know that doesn't mean that they haven't had their own personal struggles. But they they have a mother that's in recovery that has um, probably been able to identify with some of those struggles and help in their own recovery, guide them in a better direction. So, and for that I'm responsible for right. I'm responsible for that. So, um, any other questions? I, <laughs> I love totally preventable. <laughs> on our website, I'm going to promote you in our group. So you know, do a live cast if you want here. <laughs> well, that's great. We, you know, that's great. Um, I do have a question for for listeners who who maybe. Um, this is their first time being introduced to Trinity and uh, to community partners who may be interested, how would they get in contact with you? Sure. So um, there's a couple of ways. Um, for any community partner, I, I invite them to call, call, um, call us directly at 401-662-5390. That's a direct line, not business line for, for myself or any, any of, the, of our professional teams, my partner and all. Also, you could call our clinic, which is um, 401-608-3322. We also have an 800 number um, that might help members in the community if if they can't get a hold of it. That's 24-7. So you will get somebody that will pick up. That's um, 1-888-344-4045. All this information is available on our website at www.trinityvillage.org. Um, if you look and contact us, it's got all our numbers for our campus, both for Middletown and Johnston. And we'd um, welcome any calls, inquiries, or just come in and visit with us. Um, look at our facility and see meet our team here. We'd love, love, love it. So anytime we offer both our community partners to come in. And we're trying to build our community partners. We work with our Substance Use Mental Health Leadership Council, which is a huge bridge for us um, to be able to continue to um, collaborate our efforts because again and you might come to Trinity Healthy Living struggle with certain struggles and after our assessment and working with our team saying we need to put you through this you, you, you would be better served or collaboratively served with maybe Newport Mental Health or look at partial hospitalization programs and I know we have a beautiful commission coming up called the No, no Wrong Door coming up that's going to be <laughs> So I'm advocating for it right now on your show. Yeah, I see some smiles coming from the other corner of the room. Absolutely. No longer to launch. It's going to be wonderful. And we're blessed to be a part of that. Absolutely blessed. A lot of work, a lot of dedication into this new, new um, No Wrong Door Commission. So I'm excited. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for sharing your story with us and um, telling us all about Trinity Village and Trinity Inn and all of the um, services and everything you have for our community. That's it's wonderful. We appreciate it. Really, really do. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Oh, I'm deeply grateful. Thank you so much and have a beautiful day. And thank you to your audience as well for tuning in. I appreciate it. Give us a call. <laughs> all, right, <laughs> all right. Thanks. Bye now. Bye-bye.